Steve, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your Bible closed? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I want to thank you again for sending your spirit, not just a spirit or an angel. You sent your spirit to inhabit your children. I thank you that in the cross of Calvary, the blood and the body of Jesus paid the price in order for us to be qualified to be filled with you. And Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you that on the inside of us, you are powerfully day and night working, transforming us, changing us, opening up our hearts and minds, healing us, pulling back veils so that we can understand and have intimacy with the Father. I want to say thank you that you have prepared every heart for what you're going to do today. Before we begin, Holy Spirit, I invite you again to take literal possession of me, my mind, my mouth. I invite you to flow through me. With the authority you've given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic bird that would seek to steal and snatch the seeds that are going to be sown. I command you to release every person and be outside the walls of this building now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that you are a God who is alive and a God who speaks. Every other false god is dead. They have ears on the statue, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. And they have a mouth, but they don't speak. You speak. And I thank you today throughout the course of this time that you will be speaking in this place into the hearts and minds of every person who has ears to hear. Let them hear it. Let them capture it. And let them be changed by it. And by faith, I say thank you for what's going to take place in these next minutes as you are preparing us for the days that we are in and the days that are coming. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray and everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to give you, if you have a piece of paper and a pen, I want to give you a statement. You've heard me say it before, but I want to give it to you today. If you don't have it, it'll be uh, recorded. But I'd like you to write this down as a principle. You'll understand it more after. Would you write this down? We do not see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Let me say it again. We do not see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. I've told you before, part of my seminary training is I had to go for assessment. They wanted to find out if I was mentally, emotionally, in every way stable in order to be a pastor. I think they should do that with every believer. How many of you would sign up? Check me out. I'll tell you what I had to do. I had to go for two days sat down with a team of psychologists. They gave me a barrage, a test. Part of that, you know, I had 1,800 questions and pictures that were put in front of me. And I had to say what I saw. And here's the interesting thing. 
If we did it in this place, if I brought up, and it wouldn't matter what picture it was, I would hold up an image, and I would just have you come, look at it, go back, and write down what you saw. Do you think we would all see the same thing? We wouldn't. Because none of us see what is on here. Every one of us sees based on what's in here. Our belief system determines what we see. I got to tell you, the, the, I've told you before, to me it's just the funniest one, where they asked me a question and they said, do you see things other people don't see? Do you remember how I answered? I said, yes, I do. So after I handed it all in and they did the assessment, they called me back in and I had to do the review. They said, there's two things we need to ask you, Colin. You mentioned you see things that other people don't see. Could you explain that for me? I said, sure. I said, when we're hiking as a family in the mountains, I'll see the squirrel, I'll see the snake in the grass, and I'll point it out to everybody. They go, oh, that is so good. We thought you saw things that other people don't ever see. And the truth is, there are people who do. And they need to be healed, and they need to be delivered. We see things the way that we are. You're going to understand that a lot more clearly as we get to the end of today. I want to tell you today, today is going to be, and I, uh, I would love this to be a classroom because today is going to be a practice day, okay? So I'm so thankful that you have all dressed. Uh, you're able to, we're, we're going to practice a couple things today because we need to get this down, and I'll tell you why. What we're going to do today, I believe, is going to be something that God wants us trained to do until actually the rapture happens. We're going to train to do something every day until the rapture happens because it's going to be the difference between making it or not making it. I want to tell you just one thing first. I don't know how many of you have ever been rebuked in public. How many of you have been rebuked in public, corrected in public? How many of you have had that? Lots of us. How many of you really enjoyed that? How many of you? Afterward, how many of you were thankful for it? How many of you were thankful? Some of us, some not. I'll, I want to tell you, back in about 2005, 2006, we had just moved into the church here, and um, we had a student from Augustana. Uh, she was from an African country, and her mother was visiting her. And so she had her in church that day, and they were sitting right over here in the corner. And so part of what we do is at times, different times, when the students would have their parents come, we would go, and I came over with a mic, and she was sitting around over here. And so I, you know, I said to her, I said, great to have you. I said, can you tell us a little bit of, you know, about yourself and your trip, the whole deal? She did. I, she told where the country she was from. And I said to her, I knew the country, and I said to her, I said, wow, I said, your country has a lot of problems. And it did. This short African lady looked at me and she said, we don't have problems. We have opportunities. Now, I would have loved to have crawled under the bench. But I'll tell you, I felt a spiritual slap on my face, a rebuke from that woman 
that I have thought about and thought about and thought about, that single word shifted something inside of me. What was the difference between her? We're looking at that country. We're looking at all the problems. We're looking at the turmoil. We're looking at all the economic issues. I'm looking at it and go, wow, you got problems. She's looking at it and going, opportunity. How can two people look at the same thing and one of them is, oh, the sky is falling. The other one is, oh, what an amazing time. How can that happen? We're looking at the same thing and this person is complaining, complaining, complaining. This person is excited, excited, excited. How can that be? I'll tell you how. Because when I look at that country and I see problems, it's because of what is inside of my heart and my mind. My belief system sees problems. You cross the line in her heart, in her mind, she looks and she goes, opportunity. I have gone over that Sunday, I can't tell you how many times, and I said, God, you need to bring me to a place where I see things the way that you see them, not the way I see them. We've all had the circumstances. We've been in situations, something happens at work, and you got one person who goes, oh, this is devastating, this is horrible. Another person goes, no big deal, just watch how this is going to work. And it's going, to be, it's going to end up better than it was before. The same thing. The same thing. What does it reveal? This. We do not see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. I saw her, problem, her country full of problems because of me. She saw her country full of opportunity because of her. Same picture. Totally different what we saw. Jeremiah chapter 17. Would you turn there with me? I want to, I'm going to preach on this sometime, not today, but I need to take you to one place. Jeremiah chapter 17. And I need to show you an amazing truth. If you have never read through Jeremiah 17, if you have never read through Psalm, 10, uh, Psalm 112, if you've never read through Psalm 1, I encourage you to read through those. It is the contrast between the blessed man and the cursed man. Those three chapters have just laid it out. The cursed one, all of this. The blessed one, all of this. Would you, chapter 17, would you just look at verse 5? It begins with, this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on his flesh for his own strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 6, it says, He will be like a bush in the wasteland. But here's the second half of verse 6. Would you look at this? It says, The cursed man will not see prosperity when it comes. The cursed man will not see prosperity when it comes. I want, I want you to just catch this. Ron, can I just have you stand up and hold this for a second? Just hold it right there. Gene, can I have you stand up again for a second? 
I want you to get this picture. What the Holy Spirit is saying, just come and stand right here, Gene. I want you to get the picture. Gene is the blessed man. If we had the sign over top, he's the blessed man. I'm going to represent the cursed man. Okay? Jeremiah 17 gives the contrast between the two of us. Psalm 112 gives the contrast between. Psalm 1 gives the contrast. Gene is blessed. I'm the cursed. This is what it says. Ron is going to be God, and he's going to bring prosperity because that's his heart. And can I just say this again? Everybody wants to crucify Kenneth Copeland because they say he, this, this prosperity guy. Nobody quotes him and says finance is the lowest level of God's prosperity. Okay, nobody ever quotes that with him. So let me just make that very clear. God's prosperity is a huge amount. The lowest level is finance. The highest level is intimacy with him. And a whole pile of things in between. Ron is God. He is bringing his prosperity into our lives. Gene is blessed. I'm cursed. Ron, just bring it forward. He says, the cursed man will not see it when it comes. Let me say it clearly. It is coming. It comes to every person. When Jesus died for it, God is bringing his prosperity, his life, his goodness, his blessing, his favor. He is bringing it to every person. But there's one person who doesn't see it when it comes. He brought it. He's got it. I'm standing here cursed. He's standing here blessed. I don't see it. Gene sees it. The blessed man sees it. What does the blessed man do when prosperity comes? He takes it. And I'm standing here. I didn't see it come. And I'm going, what the flip? Why is he doing so well? Why, why, why is he healthy? And I'm in the clinic all the time. Why does he appear to be happy in his marriage and mine is on the rocks? Why does he seem to have peace in his life and I can hardly sleep? I need to pop pills at night in order for me to shut my brain off. Why is he so flippin' lucky? Gene and I are standing in the same place. God is doing the same thing, bringing us prosperity. I don't see it. The cursed man doesn't see it. But the blessed man sees it, and the blessed man takes it, and the blessed man enjoys it. Why does he see it, and I don't see it? Because we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. The cursed man does not see God's goodness, God's prosperity, because inside of me, I have a belief system. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to happen to who? Me. The blessed man goes, I'm the child of a very generous God who is bringing his blessing, his prosperity into... He's looking for it. He's expecting it. Is this clear to you? Thank you, gentlemen. That is just... Seriously, I, I, I give you my word. Sometime we're going to go and we're going to spend a day, actually two days, in Jeremiah 17. We're going to spend the first day talking about the cursed man because there's a pile of people in the body of Christ who are living cursed. 
And we're going to talk about the blessed man because there is a pile in the body of Christ who God is posturing, wanting to be blessed, and they're going to move with one click into the blessing. I want you to think about a couple things. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the difference between hindsight people and foresight. How many of you were here for that message? Hindsight and foresight. Yep, unfortunately that one didn't make it to YouTube. There were some things that were, as we're working things out, so it's not on there. It made it onto CastBox, so if you didn't get it, you can go onto CastBox. We looked at the person of Joseph, and we talked about Joseph having something that made him a foresight person. In spite of all that happened, he made it to where God wanted him to be. There were two words that over the last two weeks that I have shared with you that I want you to write down. I want to encourage you to memorize. I want to encourage you to put it into your belief system because having these two words will determine how you see everything. Could you put up number one, Jeff? We talked about this out of Genesis chapter 50, looking at Joseph's life again at the end where his brothers came to him after his father died. They figured Joseph was going to nuke him because of what they had done. Joseph made this statement, you intended evil, but God intended good. We have come to understand a truth that in every circumstance of our life, what the enemy intends for evil coming against us, God has the ability to turn that and work it into our good. Let me give you the classic example. The enemy did everything he could to kill Jesus. He eventually thought he was victorious in killing him. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned and worked it, turned Jesus into a seed that when he came out of the ground, look at the harvest that is still happening. What the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. I want to say this to you with with all sincerity. I believe that every believer between now and the rapture who does not have this truth branded on the inside of them so it is the lens when they look at everything that's going to come, if they do not have this belief, I believe that they are going to miss a pile of what God is doing and some of them are even going to be disillusioned and fall away. I want to just tell you really clearly, you know this. In the latter days, there is going to be an amazing harvest, but in the latter days, there is going to be a great falling away. The people who have this lens, they look and they go, when the enemy is throwing stuff at me, and we're going to talk next week, stuff from the enemy is going to come. It's come already. Stuff from the enemy, when it comes, if we don't have this inside of us and look and go, the enemy intends this for evil, but God is going to turn this for good. If we don't have that, we're going to miss it. We're going to stand there. The good is going to come. I'm going to miss it. The blessed man won't. Would you write down the second? We looked at it last week. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. What does it say? We know. We talked about it last week. How many of you were here last week? We know. Wouldn't it be amazing if we go, we know this, we know it. There's no question, we know that in all things, say all, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Here's the deal, you can't be a believer without being called. Nobody in their flesh comes to relationship with Christ without being called by the Spirit. And when we are called and we enter relationship, his purpose, first of all, why did he create let, let me just ask you clearly, why did Jane and I have children? 
so they could cut our lawn? Some of you said yes. I, I'm, I'm scared. Why did we have children? They were an expression of our love for one another, and we wanted them to be objects of our love. That is why we created them. We talked last week about God having a, a purpose and a calling on our life. He does. He is. But can I tell you, above that, the highest purpose why God created us was to have relationship with him. That's the highest calling. That is the highest level of prosperity in God's life is the intimacy we have with him. This verse says, we know that in all things, in all things, God turns and works it for good. I want to encourage you to write these down. I want to encourage you to memorize them. I want to encourage you to put them on a pair of glasses. I want to encourage you that you begin looking at everything in your life through this lens and everything. It doesn't matter what happens. You look at it and go, oh, what the enemy intend for evil, God is working it for good. In my life, I know. I know that in all things. I know that in all things. I just got laid off. I know that in all things. I just got a bad report. I know that in all things. Somebody precious in my life just died. I know that in all things. Our house just burned. I know that in all things. I'm in prison because of my faith in all things. I know that in all things, God works together for my good, for my good. I want to give you a uh, practice application right now. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 4? We're going to practice. Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 35. You'll know this as soon as we get there. This is the account of the disciples in the boat during the storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I want to begin reading, and I'm just going to lay out a couple things for you as we go down. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Can I ask you first of all, let's stop right there. Who's, who, whose words were those? Let us go to the other side. Whose words were they? They were not Jesus' words. Jesus said this, there's not a single word that I spoke that of my own. Is that right? Didn't Jesus say that? So when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, whose words were they? God. Can I ask you one question? Does God ever lie? So when God says, we're going to the other side, what should the disciples have believed? We're going to the other side. Okay, this is not hard, right? So here is where they got the word. Here is the other side. Is there often a journey between the word and the destination? Is there? In every one of our lives. Now I want you to see this. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, Jesus, just, just as he was in the boat. They took Jesus. There were also other boats that were with him. Verse 37. A furious what? Squall. A couple of weeks ago I shared with you, I had a word from the Lord about the ministry that I, that I would enter 
in the middle of this, I had a number of furious squalls. I just want you to get this inside. Here is where we are right now in history. If this is the rapture or the departure of the church, and I don't care if it's this afternoon or 100 years. I, honestly, I, I couldn't care. There are people right now who are going, we, we're not in the last hour, we're in the last minutes. Okay? There are those who believe that. There are some of the prophets right now who are saying we're 200 years away from the, return of, from the rapture of the church, 200 years. Can I just ask you one question? Who, who, who knows? The Father, not even Jesus. Isn't that the craziest thing? So what I want to say to you is, I don't really care how long this is, whether it's this afternoon, and can I just ask you bluntly, how, how many of you would be kind of open for this afternoon for the church to disappear? Just, yeah? I just heard the other day that there isn't a single problem on earth that the rapture couldn't solve. You ever heard that? This is where we are. This is where we disappear. In between here and here, there's going to be some squalls. We'll talk about that. But it said a furious squall, not just a squall, a furious. Say furious. How many of you believe that was a natural storm in that, that they encountered? Just a natural storm. Natural. None of us do. How do we know it was not natural? How do we know it was demonic? How do we know that? It was rebukable. So when Jesus got up out of the boat, he spoke to it. He rebuked the storm. Spirit, he spoke to it, rebuked it. The storm instantly obeyed, went down calm. We, we know it was demonic. Can I just say this to you? Do you think between where we are and the rapture that we are going to encounter some furious, demonic, physical storms? If you think all of those are coming after the church disappears, I want to awaken you. Those furious storms are going to come as some of the birth pangs leading to the end. We've already seen some. We just happen to be in a part of the world where it hasn't hit us in the same way. We're going to talk about that next week. Look at, look at verse 37. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples were freaking out. Is that in there? No. How come you're not standing? Because the truth is, they were. Experienced fishermen were freaking. It says they were terrified. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Josh, can I just have you come stand for a second? Josh is Jesus. We're in the boat. The storm is happening. We're experiencing the same thing. Do you think Jesus was sleeping and wasn't aware of the storm? Do you think he wasn't aware of it? I'll give you a great picture. I, I, love, I love the story I read years ago. A little girl was flying on an airplane and she was sleeping in the seat and the airplane, the, the, the thing went off and said, fasten your seatbelt and the, the, the oxygen mask, they dropped down and she was sleeping and, and the, the stewardess comes over and she wakes the little girl up and says, you got to put your, your mask on and the little girl, just, she, was, she just kind of looked over and she said, she goes, is my daddy still flying the plane? And the stewardess said, yeah, your, your dad's, she goes, we'll be okay. And she goes back to sleep. The church, 
the airplane's freaking. But the little girl who knew her daddy went back to sleep. Can I ask you? Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He had a word from his father that said, we're going to get to the other side. I don't care how furious the storm. I don't care how many storms. I don't care even if we end up going down and drowning. There'll be a fish down there. That's happened before. He'll pick us up, puke us on the shore. Can I just tell you, God has a million ways. If he gives you his word, he has a million ways to get to the other side. I want you to see this. Here's Jesus. There's the storm. Um, Don, can you just stand up for a second? Don? Don, just stand up for a second. Don represents the furious storm. Thank you, Don. That's awesome. Whoa, just, just stay standing. Don represents the storm. Jesus looks at the storm. He's sleeping, and he's totally rest. I'm looking at the storm. I'm the disciples. I'm freaking. We're seeing the same thing. We don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. I'm a disciple. I'm freaking because of what's inside of me. Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up. He's calm. He talks to the storm, and the storm sits down. When I'm freaking, am I talking to the storm? Instead of speaking to the storm, I look at Jesus and go, Wake up! Don't you care? We're looking at the same thing. Can I tell you, can I tell you, can I tell you, the storms between now and when we lift off this earth, they're going to happen. There's going to be people who look at the storm. That storm will not move them. They'll sleep through the storm while everybody else is freaking. The same storm. We're going to talk about the storm of COVID right away. Why are there some people who look at it and they're totally calm, totally at peace? They're, to they're sleeping through this thing. And there's other people freaking. Thank you, Josh Jesus. Okay, I need your help. Help me really quick. What the enemy intended for evil. What was the evil the, any, the enemy intended by sending the furious storm? What was the evil? Fear. Wanted to fill them with a spirit of fear. What else? Death. Wanted to kill. I want you to think about this. Wanted to kill Jesus prematurely and actually wanted to kill the 12 men who surrounded them because you know what the enemy knew? If those 12 men get loose, if those 12 men get out with a message of a resurrected Jesus, what's going to happen to the world? What'll happen? There might one day, 2,000 years later, end up with a church in Camrose that is filled with people who believe and become contagious, and why don't we just kill them now? If we could just kill those 12 now, it'll be a lot easier. Tell me what else. Distrust. God said we're going to the other side. I don't believe them. I don't believe him. Can I ask you a question? From the Garden of Eden, did the desire of the enemy seek to plant distrust inside of God's kids? Eve, did God really say that? God, did you, did you really say we're going to get to the other side? If that's the case, we're going to sit here and not freak. We're going to be patient. We're going to be, we're going to be totally calm. You, you know what Abraham said? 
God said, I'm going to be the father of a great nation. I'm taking my only boy, and he's asked me to kill him. I believe that if I end up sacrificing in obedience, that God will either raise him from the dead, or he will raise up another son through whom I can have the, the whole thing. Was Abraham freaking? Give me, give me just a couple more. What the enemy intended for evil. Give me a couple more. Anger. Anything else? Why don't you think about this? Why did, why did God say, this was God, why did God say, uh, Jesus, I want you and your disciples to go across to the other side? What was on the other side that, that God cared enough about for them to go through and the enemy cared enough about, if I can take him out here, this will never happen? What, what happened there? Got to the Gadarenes, got to the demoniac, the guy who was possessed, he had no clothes on, broke all of his chains, they got over there. We know what happened, right? He delivered him, they went into the pigs, they fell over. All of a sudden, what? He's sitting there fully clothed, he goes, he goes, Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus goes, no. I want you to stay. And I want you to go throughout all of the Decapolis. I want you to go through all of the regions, all of this area. And I want you to tell people what I did because your testimony is going to bring faith to tens of thousands of people. You know what the enemy intended? The enemy intended that this demonized person would never be set free. Let's look at it. Let's look at it through eyes. Put your lens on. Put your lens on. God, what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. God, we know, we know that in all things, God works together for good. We know. Even though the demonic storm came, we know that God turned and worked this for good. Give me the good. Put the lens on. Tell me the good that came from what the enemy meant evil. Tell me the good. Faith. Can I just say this? Do you think the disciples learned that when God said anything to them, they go, if God said it, don't sweat it, guys. It's going to happen. Bill Winston says, if you hear God say it, it's already done. He goes, if God told you you're getting a car, it's already in your garage. If God told you that you're going to have that calling, you're, you're, you've already got it. He goes, the word is the title deed. You've got it. Do you think the disciples began believing that when God spoke, that word actually was going to happen? God turned that around and gave the disciples a faith lesson that they have never, ever forgotten. And can I tell you, we learned from this as well. Jane and I were on one of our anniversaries. We were in Jamaica. The, the, the hurricane was coming. We saw on the TV, the hurricane was coming directly at Jamaica. We went out and did what Pastor Dave Nall, we, we met him. He was a, a pastor from, missionary from Haiti. We went out and stood on the deck. It was, we were going, our holiday is not going to be wrecked. We stood on the deck outside where the boats and all this stuff were. We spoke to the storm. Just raise your hand if you've ever spoke to a storm. Why did you speak to a storm? Can I tell you Why? Because God knew that 2,000 years later, we would read this story, and we'd read it, and faith would come into our life, and you and I would become people that they would lock up in Unit 3. We're speaking to the clouds. The enemy intended for them to all drown and for this story never to get out, because it got out. And for 2,000 years, people have been reading it and going, are you serious? 
we have the same authority that Jesus. We can talk to the hurricane and it can split. We watched that hurricane come to Jamaica before it got there. It went around, it split, it went around Jamaica, it came back together and it went and it hit the coast of Florida. We didn't have one stitch of rain, we didn't lose one day of our anniversary. Tell me what else God intended for good. Peace. Can I just say to you, this furious storm, Jesus had complete peace. We're going to talk about furious storms that are going to come. Through the right lens, I want to say to you, as a child of God, there is not a storm that's going to come between now and the rapture that you and I are not to walk in total peace in. Total peace. Sleeping while the cursed man is freaking. What else? Give me a couple more, and then we got to move on because we got I got homework. We got some homework. Revelation. Authority. Trust. God intended for good. This lesson changed the disciples' lives. They got to the other side, but they look and then said, can I, can, can I just say to you, uh, they knew Jesus, but after this whole event, do you think Jesus' stock went up in their eyes? They look and went, who is this that even the storms obey him? It took their faith in Jesus to another level. Can I just say this to you clearly? As a child of God in these days, Jane and I are asking God to take our faith to another level. I am not asking for storms to come. But let me tell you, when the storms do come, I want my faith to be here. We got to do one thing, just for the sake of time. This is where we are. This is the rapture of the church. This is where we are. This was a season of COVID-19. COVID means what? Certificate of Vaccination Identification 2019. Certificate of Vaccination. We're going to talk about it next week. We all need to be prepared that it's going to become likely that every one of us will need to be vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccination. We need to be prepared for that. We're going to talk about resisting it. We're going to talk about what happens if we refuse. We'll talk about whether to take it. It's going to be one of those storms we're going to have to face, likely we're going to have to face. One of the little ones that's coming, are all of you prepared when the law comes down, if it comes down, are all of you prepared to begin wearing masks as soon as you leave your house in public all the time? How many of you are prepared to do that. Just raise your hand. Two. Okay. That is likely a storm we're going to have to face. We're going to talk about that next week. How many of you were a little bit surprised when I talked about the Israeli water system being hacked in and they flooded it with chlorine in order to make the Israelis sick and die? How many of you were surprised to hear that? Yeah, can I just say to you, do you think that that's only going to happen in Israel? How many of you are prepared for a storm to affect our food system and our water system in order to affect you and I as believers, as believers? We're going to talk about that next week. 
I got to tell you really clearly, ticked me off. Last night, Jane and I listened to a Christian politician in the U.S. who made a statement again and said she fully believes that COVID-19 was God's judgment against America for President Trump putting a peace plan in place that divided the nation of Israel. Okay? Tick me off. It's not the God I know. Could I be wrong? I could be wrong. I, I understand that. So I want to say this to you. In spite of what Sid Roth said, and I, I would love to talk to him, Sid Roth said that he believed this was God's judgment on the world. I do not believe that. I believe COVID-19, I believe this was an absolute design of the enemy because the marks of the enemy are still kill and destroy. Do, do you see any of the marks of God, love, joy, and peace, and what just happened in the world? Okay, I don't see any of those marks. I see steal, kill, and destroy all over COVID. That's what I see. If you see something different, just don't, don't say it. With our eyes wide open, our belief system, I have on me the lens what the enemy intended for evil. That's the first part. God is able to work for good. Let's start on this part. What the enemy intended for evil. I want to hear from you what you believe the enemy's intent through COVID-19 was and still is because it's not done. We're already hearing about the schools not opening. We're already hearing about the second wave. We're already hearing about nations being closed down again. We're already hearing, okay, we're in the middle of this. We're not done yet. But I want to hear from you what you believe we're not going to talk a lot about it. What you believe was the enemy's intent. What is the enemy's intent through releasing this thing on the earth, something that has never affected in our lifetime the entire globe in the same way? I want to hear from you what you believe the enemy's intent was. We need to get it clear. What the enemy intended for evil. Give me a few. Fear. There is no question. You and I both know that through this, the enemy has unleashed in the world a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear that has never been unleashed before. I, I remember, how many of you were alive in 9-11? How many of you were alive? Yeah. Do you remember when President Bush stood up and he made a statement? He said, the greatest enemy that we have to battle now is fear. He said, that is the greatest enemy. We have to overcome the enemy of fear in America to overcome this. There has been a spirit of fear that has been unleashed. I don't want you to say this out loud, but I do want to ask you, how many of you have family members as a result of COVID-19 that you have watched the spirit of fear land on and as a result of that, it has manifested in the way that they have handled themselves? How many of you have had a family member who've been affected by the spirit of fear? Just raise your hand high. Just raise it high. Okay, almost all of us. How many of you have had that family member look at you because you're not freaking, because you look like you're sleeping in the boat, 
and they've been ticked off at you. Or they have put pressure on you to freak out with them. They have wanted to transfer their fear onto you so that you could have a fear party. How many of you have felt the pressure from a fear person? How many of you felt pressure? Yeah, most all of us. Give me another one. What did the enemy intend for evil through this? Still intends. Still intends. Give me another one. Control. We could talk about, we could talk about this all day, but I want to say this to you. Control not just of individuals' movement, but control of societies, control of governments, control of economies, control of churches, control of control. Let me tell you very clearly, there is a powerful Jezebel spirit behind COVID-19. Powerful. Give me another one. Say it, say it again. Domination. Uh, Everybody understands the difference between globalism and nationalism, right? We're going to talk about it next week. Is it possible that through COVID-19 that this is a setup that God is allowing to happen in order to bring about a one-world government, one-world economy, one-world economic, one-world religion, one-world, a globalist agenda as compared to individual nationalists. Is it possible that COVID-19 is the tool that is being used to bring about? It is. Let me tell you just another one. Black Lives Matter also. You have to tear down the history of a nation before you can topple it. In our lifetime, we've seen it happen in Venezuela. Our history has it in France. It's going on in America. They are beginning to do it in Canada to destroy our history in order to prepare a generation for change. It's coming incredibly quick. Let me just tell you, climate change is part of that as well. What else? Domination. Enemy's goal. Speaking death. Yeah, they don't understand that part, but the truth is every word is a bucket. Every word is a bucket when I speak. This bucket carries, so if I speak faith, this, these words will carry faith with it. If I speak fear, these words will carry it with it. All you have to do is shake a person and you find out what's inside. Right? Today people are being shaken, they're opening their mouths, and you see what's coming out of people. You see it. Have any of you been surprised what's been coming out of your mouth in the midst of this furious storm? Somebody else said something else. Poverty. 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 You will hear more and more about this. We're going to talk about it next week. You, you need to understand right now we are in the midst of a move to, woo, to move the world toward Marxism and communism. We are in the midst of that right now. The one percenters are powerfully at work. It is to bring all of us to the point, the poverty, to bring every person under and basically dependent upon the government, losing all of our rights, losing all of that. We're in the midst of that. We're going to talk more about it. We're in the midst of it. The in enemy intends this to bring people... Uh, what percentage of Canadians lost their job over, over a virus that has killed how many in Canada? About 5,000 people in Canada have died, right? 
How many people lost their jobs because they've so far protected or not protected 5,000 people? How many have lost their jobs? Yeah, they said about 25% of Canadians lost their jobs. We could talk about percentages of business. The economy, they're talking, may never come back. We're talking new normal. Give me a few more, and then we got to flip. Say again? Separation. Uh, we could talk about this on a whole pile of levels. I encourage you, how many of you have seen the, the video, the YouTube clip of the two children that were not allowed to hug for three and a half months, and all of a sudden, the parents brought them together and said, it's okay. You can hug one another. They slowly moved toward, they hugged each other. They were nine-year-old kids. They hugged, and they just began weeping and weeping and weeping. How many of you have seen that video? Okay, if you've not seen it, find someone, look it up. To me, what a beautiful picture of what the enemy has tried to do with people. We know people who had parents who died. They were not allowed to go into the hospital. The parents died without anybody being able to be there, even though not a single person in that hospital or their region had anything to do with COVID. That law shut it down. Okay? We could talk all day about separation. Give me one more. There's a whole pile, but give me one more. Say it again. Hopelessness. And we could just run through a list. We could run through a list of what the enemy intended for evil. I'm not so hung up on this. What I am hung up on is this. Because the blessed man will see how God is able to take this and turn it for good. The cursed man won't. There are people right now, they are absolutely consumed. They look at COVID, this is all they see. Do you know why? Not because that's all there is, but because of what's in here. Cross the line. The blessed man is going to see COVID and look and go, what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to work for good. We know that in all things, even COVID, we know that in COVID, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. We know that. The blessed man sees the prosperity when it comes. A little later in, in Jeremiah 17, you're going to see it. It says this, the blessed man has no fear when drought comes. The cursed man is freaking when the drought is coming. There's a pile of people in our world right now who are going through financial drought, financial drought. And you know what? They're freaking. They're freaking. And they should be. Do you know why? Because they're on the cursed side. It says the blessed man, when drought comes, and it doesn't matter what kind, the blessed man, he doesn't lose his peace when the drought comes. Do you know why? Because he has a God, Ron, who's bringing prosperity. And the blessed man sees it when it's coming. The cursed man can't. Help me. Very quick, help me. Provision. Through unusual channels. Can I say this? Provision through unnatural channels. Unnatural channels. The cursed man, it says, turns to flesh, relies on flesh. The blessed man turns where? I just want to say this to you really clearly. I want you to begin to watch where every person turns in the midst of this, either to the things of the flesh to find their security, including the government, or to the things of God. There is becoming a separation. I'm not talking in the world. All of the world is going this direction. 
I'm talking in the church. There's a pile of cursed people in the church. You know why? Because when the furious storm hits, they're turning to the flesh. The blessed man has a father who's bringing prosperity, provision, and they see it when it comes. What the enemy meant for evil, God intended for good. Give me the good. We got to see it through eyes, through the eyes of belief that goes, we know that in all things, this is our lens. Help me see it. What's the good coming out of COVID? Let's just read exposure. Things that have been happening under the current, from the political level all the way down to individuals, are becoming exposed. Oh, we could talk all day. Give me a couple more. Say it again. Repentance. Yeah. It's been kind of interesting that um, in the midst of this, one of the words that is coming out there is that a lot of believers who have actually been very carnal, very complacent, very fleshly, in the midst of this, it has awakened inside of them. They have repented for their carnality and are now pressing into God in a way that they have never before. David, that's awesome because there is a pile who are doing that. There's a pile who aren't, but there's a pile who are. What the enemy intended to drown them, intended to drown them, ended up causing them to have greater faith. The enemy intended to fill everybody with fear and cause them to freak, ending up with a whole group are repenting and becoming stronger in their faith. He didn't count on that. Freedom and wisdom? Yeah, we're just going to put truth down there. Uh, who coined this phrase? Fake news. Who, 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 who coined it? Trump? Can I just ask you a really dumb question? When he began speaking it and everybody began hearing it and seeing it, the propaganda that happened in the Second World War is going on in 2016, 2017, 2018. People began looking and going, you know, there, there is so much fake news out there, they're just twisting it. I mean, you got 96% of news that is so far on the left you could walk on it. And then all of a sudden COVID rises up and everybody starts believing the news. What, what happened? Tell me what happened. You want evidence that this is so spiritual. Somebody once said, you know you're getting old when you believe the news. I don't believe that. I believe that there is a demonic veil. When you begin believing what you're hearing, there is a demonic veil that has landed, and it has landed. How many of you heard on uh, your news channels about the chlorine poisoning in Israel? How many of you heard that on your news channels? How many of you heard that on CBC, CTV, CNN? How many of you heard that? Why aren't we hearing it, guys? It's not part of the plan have to control the narrative. And we're going to talk about it next week. The narrative is the same all around the world. First time that's ever happened. The narrative is the same all around the world. God intended for good. This thing. And I want to just end on this really quickly. I'm not going to write these down. I want to hear from you in the midst of this. I want to hear some good that God has brought about in your life that's been surprising to you. Good that has come out of this. 
The enemy intended it for evil with all, but something good. Ron, something good. Lots of time to read and study the Bible. Can I say that? That is absolutely beautiful because a lot of people have moved over here. Lots of time to watch movies. Lots of time to game. Lots of time to... The cursed man moves toward the things of the flesh. The blessed man moves toward. Ron, the blessed man. Beautiful. Aim. She got paid to stay home with her kids. Is that a blessing? Yeah. Can I tell you that is a blessing? And for some, that has been an awesome reconnection time because they've been so busy, especially as a single mom. Amazing. We talked about that Wednesdays when you came. It's like, man, you're working one week and you're off the next week. Praise God. And what I loved even more is the government helped you. I love it when the government spends money in the right spot, don't you? Still working. And you worked all the way through. How many of you worked all the way through? In spite of what happened, worked all the way through. Yeah. That's a blessing, isn't it? Didn't, didn't skip a beat. Richard? Yeah, there are some who got that, Richard. There are some that in the midst of this actually became bold in their faith. There's a whole pile who didn't. There's a whole pile who were afraid to say anything because they didn't want to offend people. But I'll tell you, there are those who rose up. You've heard me say it before. Every person with a mask out there, that's my new mission field. I love that part. Harold? Lower gas prices. <laughs> what the enemy intended for evil. Can I just ask you what you think about this? Gas prices dipped down to how low, by the way, during this period of time? Yeah, 50, it dropped into the 50s for a period of time, 56 cents a liter. I thought this was really interesting, that when everything collapsed, what did Donald Trump do? He filled up every U.S. fuel reserve with cheap fuel that was on the market anyway, he filled all of the U.S. reserves with cheap fuel. Can I ask you, do you think he's a wise businessman? <laughs> he saw the opportunity. He saw prosperity when it came. Josh? More time to learn new skills. That is awesome. Randy? Awesome. Working from home. How many of you had to move home with your work? All two of you. Four-day weekends. So you can come down every second Friday. That's awesome. Somebody had the hand up. Sue? We got to slow down. That little treadmill, COVID put a little wrench in. That became a blessing. Absolutely. Piles of people. Praise the Lord. Started a brand new business in the midst of this. Instead of going to the market, brought the market to them. It comes, 26 vendors, and now all of the people around that area come to your home for those vendors. Awesome. Awesome. Somebody else? Ken. Softened the defensive and hard heart of a friend. What the enemy intended for evil flipped and God turned it for good. Wow. TJ? 
he was talking about being able to travel to the state, seeing what's going on, and there at a place, seeing people in the place we are fed up with the whole deal. I love his first statement. He goes, I had the opportunity to be persecuted because it looked like I was sleeping. Yeah. When you sleep in the boat in the storm, uh, you're going to get persecution, even from people right close around you. A couple others. Blessing, God's life. Critique it. Say again. Recovery. Yes. Awesome. A lot more time together as a couple and working on things that otherwise would have taken a lot longer to work on. Critique, that's beautiful. James? New relationship. Beautiful. And that's carried on right through. Beautiful. She's very attractive, by the way. Romy? Yes. As many of us are aware, Romy's nephew was abducted some time ago, about two months already. May 6th. And uh, as a result of this, people being off work, there have been a lot more who have been available to be searching and looking. Still haven't found him yet, but we're believing. We're believing. Jerrica? Grew your faith. I got to tell you, that was Jane and I too. In the midst of this thing, we had time, God spoke some things, and this has been a faith-building time in our life. The enemy didn't want that. Backfired on him. It's beautiful. I just want to tell you one one thing here, actually two things, but one. I asked you earlier how many of you had phone calls from the healing room. Polly, put your hand up. Before this whole thing happened, the healing room, we were here, we waited, we were praying for political leaders, people came. If people didn't come, they were doing other things. As a result of this, when people were all isolated and couldn't get out, the Lord just laid in heart and said, you know what, let's just pray, have you drop names, God will wait on it, and then we'll phone them. Can I tell you the impact and the healing of the ministry of the healing room in this last three and, a month, three and a half month period of time, I would say has been more fruitful, more powerful, more impacting than it has ever been before. That would have never happened. Had somebody say to me yesterday, part of the healing room, they said, if it took COVID in order for this to happen in the healing room, bring it on. powerful. I want to tell you another one. We talked about it before. A pile of us churches were forced to go online. As a result of that, it wasn't long after, I mean, hundreds of thousands of churches went online. They began estimating that 10 times the amount of people were watching church services because it was online than people who would walk through the door. You think the enemy intended that? I think he thought he'd kill the church, but when you try and kill the church, all of a sudden it's like a dandelion, and it just grows up even more. The gospel has been spread into countries, into homes, into places. I just want to say one before we end. Shortly after we began doing that, I had somebody come to me, and they said, call. I come from a Catholic background. I got a whole bunch of Catholic families that would never walk into this church, ever, ever. They would die, probably. Never come into this church. They're watching you and our service online. And they're going, now I understand why you go there. I could never go there because, look, what would people think? But I understand why you're going there. They're Nicodemuses who are going in the night and 
getting the word and watching services. They're not going to walk in because, whoa, what would everybody think, including the Pope? I don't think the enemy counted on that. The globalist agenda, the Antichrist agenda, was hoping that when you shut the church down, the church is just going to die and go away. He didn't realize that every, everything in history says when you persecute the church, it begins to grow. I'll say this really clearly. This is probably the softest persecution that we're going to get. Some of the bigger ones we'll talk next week. But I just want to say to you, when you're on the blessed side and they persecute you, we just end up growing. I come from a German background. Somebody was very wise in Germany that said, how do we kill the church? Let's have the government pay all the pastor's salaries. They did that. And the church began to die. And in Europe... In most countries, less than 1% of people in those countries are Christian now because the enemy had a plan how to kill the church. Stop persecuting it. Pay it. And watch it die. Next week. Here's where we are. Here's our little COVID. We're going to talk about between here and here. I believe we need to throw some things out there so that if they end up coming, we go, that didn't catch me by surprise. I knew it was possible they were going to freeze my RSP account. I knew that. So when it happened, I have peace sleeping in my boat. Do you think we'd be the first nation to have that happen? We'll talk next week. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I want to say thank you that all down through time you have spoken to your prophets, they have captured your word, they have put it in the book, they have made it so we could read it. I thank you for the account of Jesus saying to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Jesus, you spoke the Father's words. Those words did not return void. God, when you speak, it happens. But I thank you that every furious storm of the enemy to sink and derail the plan of God, what the enemy means for evil, Father, you take it and you work it for good. 2,000 years later, you are using that word to prepare us for what is coming so that we can be at peace. We can be at rest. We can look at it and see your blessing and prosperity when it comes not being afraid of the heat, not being afraid of the drought, not being afraid of fear. Because we are the blessed man. Father, today would you seal what was from you? Would you cause everything that wasn't to be forgotten? And I ask you to prepare our hearts as we begin looking as children of God under the Spirit of God, looking at what the enemy intends for evil in the future, would you prepare our hearts for what's coming? I declare to you today as a child of God what you already know. The Lord has blessed you, and he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you, and he is being gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and he has filled you in the storm 
with his peace. I declare it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody believing said, Amen. Have an awesome week. I encourage you to memorize those two scriptures.